On today's episode of Active and Connected Families, we're going to be talking about making friends as an adult, which is a lot easier said than done. And so we're going to talk about why it's so hard to make friends as an adult and also some strategies to get folks from the acquaintance phase into the friendship phase. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like and share it on your favorite podcast platform. Um, You can always follow us at virginiafamilytherapy.com. Thanks so much. Active and Connected Families is a smart, relatable conversation with me, Dr. Amanda Sovic-Johnston, child psychologist, mother of three, and entrepreneur. I've spent my career providing family therapy and supporting high-achieving mothers, and maybe even more hours with my girlfriends trying to figure out how we can all feel more confident in our work and our relationships. And you all, there's one thing I've noticed. We're all struggling in some of the same places and we're all looking for some down-to-earth advice that we can actually use. So on Active and Connected Families, I'll share some of the insights I've learned, strategies for those daily fights about laundry, some expert perspective on the bigger issues like the mental health crisis, and me chatting with my therapist friends about how we can all feel a little more active and connected in our lives. Throughout, I hope to make you laugh at least once but I know I'll leave you with something that'll help you become a better parent and maybe even person. Thanks so much for listening. Hey everyone. Welcome to the active and connected families podcast. I am excited you are here. And today we're going to be talking about something really important, which is making and keeping friends as an adult. This is something that I think we all think is going to be easy, kind of when we're 22 and we've had many successful years making friends in high school or in college. And then all of a sudden you get into the quote unquote real world and it's tough. And I think it's hard when you're 22. It's hard when you're 30. It's hard when you're 40. It's hard when you're 50. Making friends can be a real challenge. And there are a couple of reasons for that. I think primarily we are so much more disconnected than we used to be, or we're so much more connected to our phones and connected to people that are not close to us and disconnected from what's happening right in front of our face. So it really is easy to get a lot of our social connections from people that we knew a long time ago and people that live maybe across multiple states from us, instead of getting our social relationships and our social needs met from the people that are right in front of our face. And so it, it, we don't have as much motivation to make friends, and we don't have as much need to make friends, and therefore we don't make as many friends. Sadly, though, I think what the research says is that we all need real life human interaction in order to feel in order to promote mental health. So, and in order to reduce anxiety and reduce depression for adults, we all need to have some real life connections. And so even though we may think we're getting a lot of our connection needs met through, you know, our phone calls and through our texts with our long-term friends, it's also really important that we have friends that we do things with friends that we have real life interaction with and friends that, you know, can help us out when we're in a pinch. And so I think even though we might not be motivated all the time in the exact moment to reach out and make a friend, it's really, really important that we do so. And so luckily, I have some tips and strategies on how to do it and how to make it a little easier. But I think it's important to remember that no matter what, you're probably going to feel a little awkward and uncomfortable 
while you're doing it. And, and that's just part of why it's hard. So making friends is hard. You got to know that kind of going in, but the hope is that you're going to get a lot of reward on the back end from the work that you do. So one thing I wanted to say about making friends is that it seems like it comes up more importantly when we're at important life transitions or, or it becomes, we have a friend transition when we have life transitions. So like I lived in Charlottesville for years and years and I had a very, very solid friend group. And then all of a sudden I had kids before many of my friends did. And so I really went through a period of time where I was friends with my single friends. And of course they were great when, when Cole was a baby. And at some point it just was like really hard to take him around to all these parties where no one like put their delicate stuff up. And I just had to follow him around while he was destroying things. So I really was in a life transition. And because of that life transition, I kind of had to make a friend transition. That's also really normal when people are moving or taking new jobs, or even if their kids are hitting a different developmental transition. Like I have a lot of friends whose kids are older than mine. Like my Robbie, who is five, is younger than many of my friends' kids. And so they, I actually kind of left out because they're able to do some later night things. They're a little more flexible. And so all of a sudden I'm looking around like, oh, maybe I need some more friends because they're transitioning to the next phase that I just have not hit. And so sometimes it's the transitions that we make, but also sometimes it's the life transitions that our kids are making. That can be the same thing too. If like our kids get super involved in sports or super involved in any sort of activity, their transitions can become our transitions. And it's really normal to kind of be like, wait, I got to check in on kind of my own friend scene in order to be able to manage through that. One other thing I really want to talk about when we're talking about making friends is that in our minds, um, we really think the anxiety and the nervousness around making friends is all about us, right? Like that's part, that's part of the human condition is thinking that our experience is really different or unique. Our, our own anxiety is our, is our own anxiety and our own issue. But in reality, everyone who's kind of in their forties is a little bit anxious about making friends or everyone that is needs friends is kind of anxious about making friends. And so what I've really realized about that is that if I'm anxious and I assume that someone else is anxious, then I am more able to take a step forward in order to make a friend, right? So if you have two people that are anxious, two people are kind of taking a backseat, someone is going to have to take that step forward in order to make a friend. And so I, if I know that someone has to do it, I kind of want to get out of my own anxiety and just make that first step. So recognizing that the other person is nervous too, recognizing the other person probably wants a friend too, and just being like, someone has to take this first step, so it might as well be me. That's one of the strategies I've used throughout my life, and I think that's been one of the most helpful strategies that I've used. Okay, knowing all of that, there is some research and data on how do you make friends. And they've done a lot of this research based on college kids because college kids is a time where everyone's going in not having many friends and they all have to make friends. And so what they found is that people are able to make friends under three conditions that kind of have to happen. One is if you see people regularly. So if you see them 
if if you see them on a consistent basis. So I always tell people, if you're going to go to a workout class, make sure you're going to the same class at the same day, every day, or every week. Because essentially, like if you know you're a Tuesday 9am regular, and you know, there's someone else, that's a Tuesday 9am regular, you know, the first few times you see them, you might like give them a nod. But then the fourth time you might be like, Oh, tough class today. And then the sixth, seventh, eighth time you're starting a conversation. So it's having a routine reason to see someone. The second piece of that is when you see someone randomly out and about. So you have to see someone regularly in a routine way. And then you also have to kind of bump into them randomly. And when you do bump into them randomly, you have to kind of say something to them, like say a throwback to them. So if I were to see someone from a a 9am workout class at a restaurant, I'd be like, oh, did you go work out today? Or, oh, that class last week was so hard. So it's kind of saying, hey, we have a relationship here and we have a relationship outside of here and and it's starting to build. Also, I have a really good set of friends of mine that I met because one weekend I ran into them, I'm not lying to you, four times in around Charlottesville. So I met, I ran into them on a walk. I ran into them at a restaurant. I ran into the next day at the farmer's market. And then I ran into them at a bar the next night. And here's the thing, we did not know each other but what I realized is that we clearly like the same kind of things, right? Like we, we clearly are into the same interests and we probably have a lot to build a friendship on. And so if you're running into people consistent, consistently, you know that you have the same interests. So you might as well chat with them. And so, and, and even just laughing about that. So looking for people that you see regularly and also making sure to chat if you if you run into them outside of that space because then you're developing more of a well-rounded conversation with them. And then finally the last one that's really really hard to to make work in real life is to have them in a place where you are you're diving into personal information, right? So it has to be a place where it's ripe for talking about personal information which is part of why college is such a good place to make friends because everyone is so kind of angsty and figuring themselves out. And so that's why they dive into that personal information. I think some examples as adults are, are book clubs. That's actually why book clubs get so much um, respect. And so many people do them is because it forces you to talk about yourself. It forces you to think about yourself. Also like any support groups or religious organizations um, or even political organizations, anything like that. I also think that when you're a new mom, um, we're all vulnerable as a new mom. And so a lot of that stuff can happen when you're just like standing next to someone at a playground, watching your kid kind of go up and down the stairs. I would usually use that time to offer vulnerability in myself. I knew that I wasn't in a place where someone else was going to force me to be vulnerable. Like I wasn't at a book club where someone would ask me a hard question, but if I went in with vulnerability, it would automatically kind of create a situation where the other person would feel vulnerable too. And so then we would have a deeper conversation. So some examples of that would be like, oh, this, this, I don't know, this stage of parenting is so hard. Or even now as an adult and I watch my kids play on the sports field, like, oh, I get so anxious when they're playing goalie and it's like a shootout or I think just being vulnerable in order to let other people be vulnerable is a huge way to make friends. Um, So again, those three are 
when you see people regularly and consistently. So get yourself to the same classes and courses on a regular, regular time. Um, seeing people randomly out and about and making sure that you talk to them when you do that. And then also divulging personal information. So if you are not in a situation where you're, where you're forced to be vulnerable, try to kind of force it in a way that feels comfortable to you in those moments. Another strategy I use is to really create some structure around making friends. So I really feel like people like to have at least women and probably men too. I I just don't know off the top of my head. Like I do think there's a piece of, we like to have a, a group sense. And so, and when you do have a group, there's a sense of continuity that you experience and it kind of feeds on itself. There's a tipping point where all of a sudden being friends gets easier because you can talk about what's happening in your other friends' lives, but you have to know the same people. And so I found a lot of success in creating groups and creating structure in order to solidify friendships. So again, that's something like a book club, or at one point in my life, I even created something called a a girlfriend's club or a girlfriend's night. I don't remember, but it was because I had, I was probably 26 and I needed to make a whole bunch of friends. And I had all these like random acquaintances all over my life, but no one knew each other. And um, I wasn't really close with any of them. So I created the girlfriend, a girlfriend's night, which is ridiculous. I know. Um, and everyone just came over and sat on my porch and had some wine. It was people I didn't even really know, but I kind of was vulnerable and was like, I'm looking for some friends or I'm having a random girlfriend night. Do you want to come? I know, like, I know we don't know each other. Well, um, I don't know if I was that cheesy about it, but I think I was just like handing out my address to almost anyone who came and the people who showed up were the people who needed friends, right? And so what came from that was after I had an excuse to invite people, then we created a book club and that became a group. So you need a structure and you need an excuse to get together and, and you might as well make it. Like you, as we get older, if we want something, it's easier for us to go for it than to wait for someone else to create it for us. So if you are older and you want a group of friends, start inviting people over, start start seeing what you can do. Some other options for that are just like going out to dinner. Or another piece is when you tag something on to some, to something else that you're doing. So if you create a structure and routine, so if you're going to a 9am workout class and you know you're going to see someone tagging something on to the end of that, like a coffee, a regular coffee, anything that's routine is going to get done. So if you want to create friends, make it so that you don't have to like plan something all the time because when you plan it, it's not going to happen. Put it in the routine. So like every Tuesday is going to be coffee after class or every Friday is going to be drinks on the, you know, drinks in the cul-de-sac with the friends, but make it structured, make it routine. If you are enjoying this episode and want more mental health support for you or your family, visit us at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. We're a mental health practice with offices in Lynchburg, Charlottesville, and Northern Virginia, and we provide teletherapy across Virginia and North Carolina. We offer psychiatry, individual, child, and family therapy, and even have some after-school appointments available. Again, that's www.virginia, spelled out, familytherapy.com. Thanks so much for listening. So I have some 
people ask some questions around making friends because I, I think everyone kind of struggles with it and everyone feels vulnerable about it. And so I had some people write in some questions to see if I could offer some solutions. Not that all of this is like super easy for me too. Some of it is absolutely hard to do. I just talk about it enough so that I know the answers on it. So, or I can at least offer some advice for some solutions. So one of the questions I have is, how do I make friends without it revolving around drinking? And that is a super good question. And also, I think it's a super hard question that we're all struggling with all the time. My honest answer, and this is a terrible answer, is that initially, I think most friendships probably do revolve around drinking because I think you're getting a bigger group together and it feels more social. And I think that people are able to relax and are a little less anxious. So it's not like you're going to go on a walk with 10 people, um, but you could go to a bar with 10 people. And so you, you know, you have to, I think there is going to be initially more drinking. I think the better question is, is how do you transition from friendships that do revolve around drinking to friendships that don't revolve around drinking? Like, how do you take it to that next step? And one of the things I really do is I like to create an activity. And I know men really like this too. You know, I always walk and talk. So if someone's like, oh, do you want to get coffee? I'm just a little more into like, oh, why don't we go on a walk? And I always ask for that. I also really think that if you are going to go out drinking with someone the night you know, say you feel like crap the next morning or say something crazy happened. I think that shooting a text the next day is actually the best way to solidify the next level of friendship. So making sure, you know, you're not only having conversations when you're drunk, but you are creating, you're using the drinking to create a sober conversation. That's probably easier for women than men. I'm not quite sure. But when you do get together, so maybe you say something like, oh, last night was so fun. I feel terrible. Do you want to go on a walk at like 10 o'clock today? Or just start chatting about something else that's going on. So really using the drinking in order to start that conversation. I also think that it makes sense to do something with people rather than if you're always going out to restaurants, you're always going to be having a drink. That's just the way it is. And so I look for opportunities to walk to, you know, I like to play sports with people. So I play volleyball with folks. I joined a swim team. Um, other people I'm trying to think what other people I know do. I mean, I know some people do a ton of pickleball, but again, that's sports. Um, book clubs, I think would be a good idea. People go to movies as friends. I think figuring out what your interests are and just inviting people to do those things. Another question that someone had is like, for guys, it's weird to ask to get another guy's number, right? Like I think maybe girls find it kind of easy to just be like, oh, hey, yeah, what's your number? I'll text you about that. But from what I've heard, a a guy asked me like, how am I supposed to do that as a guy? It feels really weird. And so my answer to that was like, yes, get the phone number from your wife because that's usually he has a wife and he said, she has all the numbers. I don't have the numbers. I'm like, get the phone number from your wife and just be the first person to text. It's that same piece of like, they're anxious about it. You're anxious about it. You might as well take the first step and create the next level of friendship. 
Another question I got that I thought was interesting is it seems like everyone else has friends when I go to a pool or when I go to, you know, a party at Fridays after five, or I go to a big event, it seems like other people are walking around with groups of friends and I still feel kind of like I'm solo. And I think that that happens a lot and it happens to a lot more people than you think. And so my answer to that is really reminding yourself that everyone had to start somewhere. And even when people are in groups and they look like they're in groups already, those groups can change. So you could be added to a group or maybe people in that group aren't even really happy with the people that they're in that group with, or maybe that group isn't as solid as you think it is, or maybe people just aren't as clicky as it feels like they are. And so I think even if it looks like other people are in pretty solid groups, it they still people are still open to new friends, right? Like we all, they've done this research that essentially says like when you meet someone new, your brain lights up and your dopamine receptors get activated in the same way they do like when you're first falling in love. And so someone getting to know you is even if they have a ton of friends, they still want to get to know new people. Their their sensors are still going to be like, oh yeah, someone new, this is exciting. And so giving them an opportunity to do that, even if they do have a solid set of friends, does not mean that they're not going to want to be friends with you. That being said, If you do reach out and people are kind of rejecting you or you feel like it's still really, really hard, you also have to remember that sometimes that's just not about you. You know what I mean? Like these times in life, especially, you know, if you're raising younger kids and you have a career and maybe you're taking care of your parents, like times are just crazy and people might want friends, but might not have the time to put that commitment towards you. And that actually has nothing to do with you. And I think that that's the piece we have to remember is, is like, just because someone doesn't call you back, or just because someone takes four days to respond to your text, it might not be about you or who you are, or your quality or your quality of friendship, or if they want to be your friend, it might just be that they had some really crazy stressful week. And this just isn't the time in their life to start making friends. And so I think you have to remember that, that it's not about you and it's not about like a referendum on who you would be as a friend. It's more about kind of the the crazy lifestyle that we're leading. And the last thing I'm going to say is try to put your phone down. I know it's, um, I know it's actually, to be honest with you, it's not so hard to put your phone down if you know that you're trying to make friends. What's really hard is kind of being somewhere with your phone down, watching someone else who hasn't put their phone down. And so I think one of the things that I do when I'm in that situation, if I want to kind of chat with someone, is I just put my phone down and I sit awkwardly and I just, even though when someone else has their phone out, you're dying to get your phone out. Sometimes it's just easier to put it down, ignore that feeling. And at some point, the other person may or may not just be like, oh, hey, how are you? They might start chatting, but they're never going to chat if you also have your phone up. And so I think you have to be aware of when you're using your phone as kind of a a social crutch, which I'm a million percent guilty of doing, a million percent. Um, But you have to be aware of when you're using it as a social crutch and, and when it's getting in the way of you making friends. 
So I feel like I talked forever, but I guess that is, you know, the point of this. I hope it's useful. I think overall, remembering to find ways that you can routinely see someone, you can chat with them if you find them outside of that routine and also being vulnerable. Those three, those three steps are key to creating friends and also creating an excuse to invite people. Everyone is anxious. Everyone wants friends. You might as well be the person to make that first step. And if you have questions about kind of what do I say, email us, text us, contact us at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com and we will try to come up with some more answers for you. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you have a great day. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to like and share the Active and Connected Families podcast if you found this helpful. And if you or someone you love are interested in therapy, you can find out more about our practice at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. Again, that's www.virginia, all spelled out, therapy.com. Thanks again.